Good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have a special guest on today. Just recently met this lady about know, a few weeks ago, maybe. Um, and she is amazing. Her name is Reverend Patricia Caginello. And I want to welcome Patricia to the show. Welcome to the show, Patricia. Thanks, Ken. I'm I'm just delighted to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. So um, you and I talked, what, has it been three, four weeks ago, maybe? About that, yeah. yeah. Time, time, even in this crazy, sequestered world we're living in right now, time is just flying. It really it, is. It truly is. I, I'm like, I, I sometimes I'm going to bed at night and I'm like, where did the day go? It just, boom. <laughs> So, so you um, and I have some friends on Joe Ingram and Mike Phillips are both here and a bunch of other people. So, um, Patricia, I, you know, I told you I, I created this show a couple of years ago and it was to help people get unstuck in life. Mm -hmm. And um, I truly believe that by hearing other people's stories, it helps us heal our, our own lives and, and get unstuck. So um, that's what this is about. So let's talk about, we're going to talk about what you do and, and the company you founded and stuff, but I, I'd like to start with where you were born and raised and, and what got you, you know, into what you're doing now. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was born in the United States in the Northeast in Connecticut. You know, I was the, uh, quintessential Italian Northeast Roman Catholic girl, you know, second, yeah. second in the family with the older brother, uh, one of five. And, uh, you know, I, I think I lived a, you know, pretty relatively typical childhood, uh, at 18, you know, I joined the U S Marine Corps. My, my, it was this late seventies. And, and at that time I didn't have an opportunity or at least wasn't encouraged to go to college. My parents thought I needed discipline. They wanted me to go in the Air Force. I, as the obstinate teenager, I obviously was. I said, no, I'm going to go in the Marine Corps because it's the hardest. And I wanted to just kind of upset them, I guess, more than I was doing already. And um, spent six years in the Marines, you know, mm. attained the rank of sergeant. And and at 24, I had a decision, you know, do what I did. I want to re-up. I was up for staff sergeant or uh, get out. And then it seemed like, oh my gosh, I'm 24. Like I'm so old already. And I couldn't even imagine if I re-upped, I'd be in for 10, which meant I'd be in for 20. And yeah. which means until 38 and I'm 58 now. And I look back and thought then that, my, that was like so freaking old. So I got out, <laughs> I got yeah. out, went, back, went to college and 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 then a variety of things. You know, I went to college. I was um, I was in the business world for a number of years. And I, at forty, I had one of those. My kids started to go into K K to twelve, and I said, you know, I, I really starting to feel the pull to kind of give back, do more. So I I left my job. I went to grad school. I um, got my master's in education, and I taught. Um, education has always been in my blood, but I taught for about a, uh, almost eleven years. And right in the 50, 50-ish year mark, again, you know, another major life kind of change. And, and this is really what brought me to where I am today because at 50, I kind of tell the joke that I turned 50, went through an unexpected divorce, sunk into a depression, um, 
left my career to start following my spiritual path because I was searching for answers and, you know, and spirituality really came on strong uh, while I was going through menopause and raising two girls in puberty. So, you know, is it, yeah, so 50, 50, 51, you know, the world just kind of universe kind of said, okay, yeah. you know, enough of the, you know, uh, enough of what you're doing, you know, you've kind of lived, lived and gained all these skills and now we're going to shake you up a little bit and, you know, direct you in a different direction. And, and that was the beginning really of Sacred Stories. And um, <clears throat> so, so you, uh, I, wow, we just covered your whole life and like, yeah, four yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, you, you went, did you say you went to Catholic school as a kid? I was raised from a Catholic. I was raised oh. from a Catholic. I've actually taught. It's interesting. I taught probably eight years with my kids religious ed for Catholic, you know, Catholic from like grade two to they were confirmed in ninth grade. Um, wow. So, so I've taught religious ed. I'm, I'm, I'm part of my after 50 when I was searching for more answers, I entered um, one spirit of a seminary, a two year seminary program. Um, wow. in New York City, and I'm a, an ordained interfaith minister because, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was raised with a really deep faith, and I still have a very deep faith, but when things got really, really messy, you know, and I yeah. stopped myself on my bedroom floor in a heap more than I found myself, you know, really dealing with life, I was, I needed more. I needed deeper answers. I needed to go deeper than just the, you know, kind of the God outside of me, um, and that's when things just kind of went into overdrive in my life. Wow. And that was it at around 50. Around 50. Yeah. That was that kind of perfect storm. And and it's interesting because you know I also was going through menopause. And and I know that that certainly added to all of the intensity of everything. But I but I believe that, you know, divinely planned and and if it wasn't that intense, I would have just just kept shifted and, and maybe not made such a dramatic change that I needed to make. Sure. So, so you, um, and you were, you said you also worked in, in the, in corporate, mm -hmm. corporate America. I spent a, couple, a couple decades in corporate America. I was in computers, you know, I was the, you know, I went back to school college late. I remember, you know, and I just was naturally drawn to anything really logical. That's why this is so interesting the way life kind of opens yeah. up your creative side. But I, uh, but I got a job in the computer lab at college and and i still remember i mean that's when lotus and word perfect were the were the programs of the day um and i remember being called to the library you know it was probably i don't know nine, 1989 1990 or something and them giving us a demonstration of the internet and at that point it was the you know it was the government educational system it really wasn't for public use and we were just like wow that's yeah. cool but yeah <laughs> Yeah, like so that's great, you know. But um, so yeah. But then I, but then I used all those skills. Actually, my degree is in business, not in computers. But I self-taught myself quite a bit. Um, and I and I worked as a computer uh, training computer. Yeah. Programming and working as actually a senior programming analyst for for a number a number of years. What, you know, and you said that you went into the Marine Corps and did you say in the late 70s? 1980, graduated 80. high school in 
79 and yeah. 1980, I was on my way to Paris Island, South Carolina. Yeah. That's, okay, so back in 1980, which I mm -hmm. remember very well, well, kind of, um, were there a lot of women in the Marine Corps? Um, you know, we were the we were definitely the few and the proud, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah. The proud, the Marines. Um, less, I think, than today, less than other other uh, services, of course, but I think women Marines have always been, um, you know, the smallest of, of sure. the services, you know, we're women, but no, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was a different world. I mean, my MOS or, you know, they, they, they give you tests and then yeah. they put you in jobs. Right. And so they placed me in, uh, construction surveying. I guess I, I, who knew I was good in math I, and um, and I went to mapping school and so I was a surveyor which means that we were actually before the infantry we're the ones that go out to lay out the airfields and the roads and stuff so the infantry can come in yeah and so I was really pretty much in every assignment the only woman in the entire battalion um, other than women who might have been in the administrative offices but I was you know I was the one out in the field you know with with thousands of guys what <laughs> and and don't take this the wrong way but what in the <laughs> world possessed you to want to be in the marine corps well because my parents thought i needed discipline and they said you need to go in the air force and i was like no if you're gonna push me in the service i'm gonna go in the hardest one because i was always the kind of obstinate person that thought you know i never want to look back and think could i have done something more and plus i knew it was just gonna freak out my parents and so that's what i did you know i was 18 i mean you know this is 70s that is hilarious so 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 you went through you man like i i couldn't have even gone into the marine corps <laughs> and i i don't so I had, so I had no idea let me just tell you this i had no idea what i was getting into you know it all sounds great but at the end of the day <laughs> i was just i got there and i was like honest to god i did this to me you know i mean but wow. But when I was there, I was damned and determined I was going to complete it and I was graduating and I was not. That was just, you know, that was just part of my, you know, that obstinance. I think many of us, especially and young people have, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, well, I suppose it's probably every generation, but I, I it seems like back in the 70s and 80s, you know, we were kind of built to to you know rebel <laughs> rage against the machine um so you so you you did all of this you went you were in corporate and then at 50 years old you had a major major and 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 i want to emphasize that you had a lot of religious studies like you're in, it sounds like most of your adult life you spent a lot of time in in religious studies and and seminary you said seminary I spent two years in seminary, but but at forty, I moved into the educational world. So forty, I mean, because I'm I'm also a former uh, uh, college adjunct professor. I've taught at career schools, and then I moved into the K to twelve world, and I taught at um, you know business and finance and computers actually at a um, at high school for wow. for a, a little over a decade, and then 
I left. That was the career that I left um, when, you know, when the perfect storm came at 50. Yeah. And so what happened? What was the big shift for you at 50? Well, that's when I went through an unexpected divorce, uh, yeah. really kind of blindsided me, which is interesting because that's what, you know, I went into a depression and, you know, so even what we're talking about, you know, I was always kind of the strong one. I was the one that it didn't matter, like come hell or high water. I was keeping my, my you know, the, you know, head up, shoulders back, you know, that's just how I have, how I powered through life. And, and I found myself literally where I, you know, I've written about it. I've written actually two books of the beginning of my story, but I felt like all these wounds that I didn't even know I had just got ripped open. And I was just left going wow. literally what the hell is happening? Cause I don't even know who I am. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't, I was functioning only out of sheer survival because I had two teenage daughters and I, I had to, you know, and so I would figure out how to get myself to work and through the day, and then I would completely fall apart. And um, um, so that was happening. I was going through menopause, uh, which didn't help. Um, and I started reaching out. I was like, I need help. And always being very religious, I did. I started reaching out to my angels. I was just like, angels, I know you're here. Like, I, I need help. You need to help me. And um and as that was all going on, you know, when they talk about the universe kind of showing up for you, you yeah. know, it did. started with animals. My whole first book is God is in the little things, messages from the animals, because physical animals started showing up for me um, in in so many ways. I didn't even know what was happening at first. I mean, you know, if anybody's familiar with Connecticut and the suburbs of Connecticut, you know, I mean, we, I mean, I was like in a four bedroom colonial, you know, master bedroom down the end of the hall and um you know second floor down the end of the house and <clears throat> i had a bat a physical bat in my bedroom three different times ken literally hovering above my face waking me up with the wings above my face and so oh my gosh i was like i don't even know what's happening talk about freaked out that freaked me out more anything in my life but i would have i would have moved just for the record on the <laughs> spot I, I would have been I, like, all right, we're out. I'm packing right now. We're out of here. A yeah, bat? No. Well, three different times. No, three different times. But now, now I look and I and I see the beauty of the bat and I see the wisdom of the bat and I see the messages the bat was bringing to me because it really is tied to, very much tied to the natural world and, and the universe speaking, right? So the universe was speaking through the animals who, <clears throat> I woke up one morning, I'll just tell you this quickly because there's so much to talk about, but and I wrote about it in my books, but <clears throat> it was even after, you know, uh, you know, the husband, your former husband moved out and I'm still in the same house and I'm still sleeping on my same side of my bed because anybody who's gone through a breakup or whatever, honestly, will, you don't just take over the bed. You know what I mean? At least I didn't. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, you kind of move into, you stay on your side. You really do. Right. I mean, you stay on your side, you know, they leave, but it's not like, oh my God, I got the whole bed kind of in your place. And um, remember it was a it was a weekend morning, it was springtime, and I woke up and I was still, I was very much in the middle of, of all of this right. depression right. and stuff. And I woke up <clears throat> and I get up and now again, we're second floor down the end of the hall in a four bedroom colonial. My bed is a slat bed, meaning like it's already a couple of feet off the floor. And then there's these skinny little slats that are the headboard that goes up to a small little 
top of the headboard, right? Yeah. So I wake up and I notice out of the corner of my eye that directly above where I was sleeping was what looked like a large rock. And I was like, why, how did, why is there a rock on my headboard? Now I am the, I am the lightest sleeper in the world. Any mother will tell you that as soon as they have kids, they become a super light sleeper. Yes. What, what the heck? How did a rock get directly above my head on my headboard? I turn around to grab the rock. It's not a rock, Ted. It is, Ken, it is a living, breathing, large bullfrog, like staring what? at me, right? And I'm just looking in the eyes, his eyes are bulging as, you know, as he's just, you know, doing whatever bullfrogs do. And I oh, looked at him and I was like, yeah, well, this, so, so now we're like up a flight of stairs, down the hall. I always sleep with my bedroom door closed, gets in my bedroom. It was not there when I went to sleep. Somehow gets up on my bed, climbs up the slats and is literally sitting directly above my head. So what do I do? I start screaming, of course, because that's what I would always do and called my kids to help me get it out of the house. But I was like, oh, my God. So um, but it was another message. It was another way that the universe, you know, you ask for help and it shows up. Right. Was communicating with me. And I had so many episodes of all kinds of animals that would, would show up in those ways. Um, and I finally started listening. I finally started going Wait, I need to pay attention to this. There's something happening here, you know. So uh, hold hold on. I, I gotta say that that you didn't see that as a sign to sell the house and get the <laughs> hell out of Dodge. Like I would have been like, "Hey, come and get this frog and pack your bags. We're leaving." No, I was shook up, of course. But, but I started opening up. I did start opening up, of course, to my spiritual side. I mean, Sacred Story, I'm an ordained interfaith minister now. I mean, Sacred Stories is all about consciousness and connection with all that is, the natural world. And, wow. and I, you know, honestly, I guess I was just really disconnected. You know, we were, I was distracted. I was kind of living this life. And um, and I, I was. I, I feel like that's what happened. You know, I think we just do life. We just live life. We we're we're doing it. You know, we're raising our kids. We're we're going to work. We're doing all this stuff. But I don't think I was really experiencing life in any way, in any to any depth of my soul. And I agree. Bats. You know, now all my fear of bats are gone. I just saw Holly's um, comment. Thank you, Holly. No. Don't be afraid of bats. I was terrified because it was two in the morning and they were in my face and I was startled and I wasn't used to be afraid of bats and the whole <laughs> consciousness around bats, but bats are wonderful. Bats are wonderful. I mean, they pollinate our world and, and they have really powerful messages for us. Bats so, are wonderful. Yeah, I know. Ken. Oh, yeah. They're Walk my, rats. This is my life. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Because I had this conversation the other day because of, there was a saw a video of the rats that are kind of out in the streets in New Orleans yeah. with the pandemic. And I was, I was having a conversation with my daughter because I was telling her she was kind of freaked out. And as we were talking, a squirrel, a squirrel kind of uh, ran in front of us. And I was like, okay, so we didn't get freaked out about a squirrel, but if I was a rat, that would have kind of freaked us out. And I think part of that is maybe more just the, the behaviors of the rats and the rats are associated with, you know, being scavengers of, you know, food or whatever, and maybe diseases that people associate with rats. I don't know, but I'm really warming, trying to warm up. What I did is I set boundaries. I said, okay, I love all the animals, not in my house. You're not allowed with inside my house any longer. 
meet, no. meet, me at, meet me at my door, you know, right. but you can't come in anymore. Um, and they haven't. I mean, they haven't. I know many, many more did. And we could talk about the animals the whole show, but I know we have other things to talk about. But but that's how I started opening up. That's what was happening at 50, 51, 52. And then the angels started coming. I've had some phenomenal, incredible spiritual experiences. And, and you know, they say, ask and you will receive. And, and I would say a thousandfold, you know, wow. you will. Wow. I, I, that I'm okay. So I, I'm, I'm in shock a little bit. So give me a second to process all of this. <laughs> The bats, and I'm not, I mean, look, when I remember when I was a kid, a bat swooped down at my head when I was riding my bicycle and it was at dusk, you know, and, and, and I've, I have not had an affinity for bats ever yeah. since then. I was traumatized. No, I'm not like sitting here and saying, I was traumatized. I mean, that was really a major thing for me. And, and yeah. three times the first time it happened, I was still married and and he was you know in the room even though it didn't bother him it, it was on it was in front of my face but i mean i could feel wind on my face i woke up because there was wind and it was actually the the wings that were fluttering above my face close enough to wake me up um and i jumped out of bed going oh my god there's a bird in the room you know and i jump out i run out of the room and i slam the door and i'm like you know Take care of it. There's a bird. It never occurred to me to be a bat. And then I hear this like kind of half freaked out voice going, "It's not a bird." And I'm like, "That's oh. your husband, your ex-husband." <laughs> I was like, "Well, okay, well, deal. Yeah, you, know, you need to not me. You need to deal you, with it." You uh, locked him in the room with the bat. <laughs> I, did. I ran in the hallway. I, honestly, God, I, I did this. You know, I love that. It's not traumatic. The yeah. second time it happened. <clears throat> Um, it's so crazy. It, he was still in, in the house, but again, it woke me up again, where I was, it was fluttering above my face wow. and I jumped up and I again ran, ran out and we have a bathroom off of the bedroom and he, um, <laughs> thanks Colleen. He, the bat went into the bathroom and he shut the door. Now this is the craziest thing, right? He shut the door and he's like, it's okay. I'm exhausted. I'll deal with it in the morning. He's in the bathroom. And I was like, what? Like, he's like, just come back to bed. It's fine. He's in the bathroom. And I was like, it's two in the morning. I'm exhausted. We're already, the marriage is already like just about over. I didn't want to like get into any like argument. And I was like, okay. So I lay back in bed. I can't sleep a wink because, you know, I'm petrified. There's a and bat in the bathroom. That's in the bathroom, right? These yeah. are in the morning. So what happened? Oh, dear God. Can I swear my right hand to God? This is all the truth. I'm laying there like it's about four in the morning. I'm just starting to doze off just out of sheer exhaustion. And the I hear like a noise and I'm just like, what the hell? I jump up. I flip on the light and I think, see this thing swoop across the room. And I'm just going, oh, my God. And I scream and I you know run out again and I slam the door and and what happened was, and the, the animal control guy came because we, he actually got it in a can, which now I realize I wish he just had opened the window. I have a lot more consciousness around the, the animals, but um, there was a gap at the bottom of the, um, the door from the lip of the bathroom to the bedroom. And so they, they think the bat, when it got 
hit into the, thrown into the bathroom, it probably was a small bathroom, it hit a wall, it probably fell. And what it did was it squeezed its body through the bottom of the door. Yeah. And it started crawling up the door high enough because bats swoop down. Bats don't fly up. They 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 swoop. Yeah. Who knew? It started crawling up the door. And as it swooped down is when I woke up and I heard it. So it was getting itself out. But I was like, are you kidding oh, me? Like, I was ready to have a heart attack. Um, and I'll just, just to finish the bat story because I do want to talk about I, I know we have plenty of time. I, I, this is fascinating to me though. Like well, I, I, they were messages. because I'll tell you the message in a second, but let me tell you the third one. So the third one I'm by myself, completely by myself in the house. Um, the, um, the, my kids were like sleeping out already divorced all by myself. And I'm sleeping and the bat comes a third time again in my bedroom with the door shut right above my face. And I was like, Oh dear God. So I jump up, I run out, I slam the door and I'm sitting going like having a heart attack going, I, I don't even know what to do now. And who do I call? It's two in the morning. So I call 911 and the people are like, this isn't an emergency. And I said, Oh no, 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 this is an emergency. Somebody needs to come here because I don't even know what to do. Well, yes, Jill, I do. So they said, open all, you know, open all the windows, open all the doors. But I was like the bats in the bedroom. And for me to open the window, I had to go back in the bedroom where the bat was. Right. right. So I, I waited. A police officer comes, this young 20-something. He's probably like, seriously, this crazy old lady. You know, he comes. He goes in the bedroom. He comes out like five minutes later. He said, there's no bat in there. And I was like, Oh no, there's a bat in there. He goes, I, ma'am. He's like, I swear to you, there's no bat in your room. He must have thought I was a cra really <laughs> seriously crazy. And I was like, no. And I made him look through everything, and he's like, there's no bat. So he's like, have a good night, and he leaves. Now I'm still petrified because I know there's a bat in my bedroom. So I go downstairs. I sleep on the couch all night, and I'm just I have no idea what happened, where this bat could have gone. <clears throat> the next day, like right around dinner when it started, you know, it was getting dark when it started getting dark, I'm in the kitchen, I'm making dinner and a freaking the bat flies over my head. No. And I'm like standing there going, are you kidding me? Right. Uh, so wow. I did, I opened all the windows. I opened the front door. I sat on those steps waiting. Cause I knew I had to, well, actually, I didn't open the windows. I opened the front door only because I knew I had to see if they left, right? I had to make sure that he saw if he left. And I sat there. And eventually, after a period of time, I saw the back fly out the front door. Oh, my God. In the front door. But what had happened, what I realized was because of where the bat had come from, the bat was in the family room. I was sleeping in the whole night. But he was up somewhere I couldn't see, like up behind the shades because um, he came out of it. Um, when it started getting dark. So I went to the family room thinking I was safe to sleep on the couch and I went to the same room the bat had been in all night where he went to and he left my bedroom. So what the, the only thing we can figure out is when I opened the door to run out, the bat came out ahead of me, but I was so freaked out with my head down, I never saw it fly above me and he flew downstairs. So Oh my gosh. But I will tell you this. I knew then, Ken, that 
I had to deal with the bat by myself. I couldn't call 911 again. I couldn't call my husband, my former husband. I couldn't call anybody because I knew, and this is really the whole purpose of the story. I knew that the bat was there for me and it had a message for me. And until I started dealing with the bat and the message the bat was bringing me, it was going to continue to come. It was the third time it came. I was not paying attention. I was just moving into like reactionary trauma mode. And, and so I paid attention and I handled it myself. I found this courage and the strength to sit on the stairs and let the bat fly out the door myself without anybody else's help. And, you know, one of the larger messages of the bat is transformation, right? They're, they, they're night flyers, you know, they kind of fly through the darkness, but it is a very powerful message of transformation um, that I started to pay attention to. And then the bat never came back. I've, the bat has never come back. Two things occurred to me as you were telling that story. One, you called 911. I would have called Remax and said, What's this house? I'm moving to. I mean, I, I'm not kidding. I would have been like, I, I got the message. We need to move. Bye. We're out of here. I would have maybe even lit the house on fire. I'm not kidding. Wow. So, so that, that's number one. And number two, like the you opened all of the windows and the doors. And I would have never done that because my mind would have been like, that were I like I've seen come in, right? Right? Come in. <laughs> yeah, he has family members that want in here too. Uh-uh. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I uh, yeah. you're like that's amazing though the way you handled it. Oh well no, it wasn't amazing. It was I I mean I told you it took three times, but finally I was like, okay, seriously, I know that if I don't handle this, this is my message, you know? It wasn't flying above my face because it was a message for my husband or my kids or whatever. It was, it literally woke me up because I could feel the, 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 like the wind from the wings, you know, I really could. It was that close above my face to wake me. So, and I think that's really the larger message, really, honestly, you know, I mean, the stories are crazy and I have a hundred of them I could tell you because, you know, asking you will receive, right? Um, but I, the message really was, I think, of starting to pay attention, right? Starting to become, really participate in the life that we're living. We're connected to everything. I mean, we are, there is no, there really is no disconnect. I mean, when we open to connection, it's, it's there. And, um, and when we open to our own inner strength and our own, you know, inner power and say, you know, okay, this is for me. And what can I do with this? Who am I and how can I contribute? You know, that's the message, you know, that is the greater message. And that is, you know, so the bat stories and and the frog stories, and again, I have a hundred others are really fun, you know, looking back to talk about and tell, because they're they're really kind of super cool. Um, I've had people tell me that they think the frog especially was an interdimensional you know, appearance, you know, it's almost like a spirit where spirits will come interdimensionally. It didn't come in my house, come up my stairs, come up my bed and all that, like as a physical animal that that is, you know, it was really part of spiritual stuff that's happening. Right. Um, But regardless, the larger, truly the larger message, I mean, there are many of them, but was it for me to stop kind of 
sticking my head, you know, into, you know, it was kind of me to pick up my head, look around, understand yeah. our own inner, our own inner strength and our connection. And yeah. then, say, yeah. and now I have a choice. Now I have a choice, a conscious choice of how I want to continue to live my life and who and how I want to participate. You know. Interesting to me, though, that you had the um, the ability or the awareness at that point to see. I mean, this was a physical frog, a real frog. Your daughters even saw it, right? They and, took it out. They put yeah. it up and took it outside. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you live in uh, like it sounds like this place might have existed in a in a uh, uh, like the bayous of Louisiana or something where, you know, <laughs> and it, you're talking Connecticut. Do you want me to tell you another cool story if we just yeah. want to say animals really quick? Because, because honestly, you know, it really is about the magic of, um, <laughs> and Eric, okay, I, and I'm assuming the snake is the ex-wife, right? So and that's actually funny. Um, yeah, that's funny. Um, the, um, <laughs> I love your audience. The audience has the, I'm just so happy I'm part of the Ken Wall, Ken Wall. Kind of, oh, yeah. I'm so happy you're here. And I, listen, I love what you're talking about. I mean, this is, this, it's really, really important. So I, I'm, I'm really, really happy that you're here. Seriously. Thing. I know I am too. I was I was really excited. I had a really good like feeling this morning, and I do I do a number of interviews. And I was actually saying to one of my kids that um, I'm feeling really like excited. Like I really just want to talk to Ken. You know, or just you know, I don't just a vibe, I guess. But I'm happy to be yeah. here in your audience. It's incredible. Um, so here's just another animal story, but in a different way. And again, it. The reason I want to share it is because it speaks to the magic of the world that we live in. It speaks to the magical opportunities we have. And magic being a word that doesn't mean something that's not available to anyone else. It's more about how cool everything is and what, what really is potential when we open up to it. And so, yes, we lived in Connecticut, you know, around a property and, and in the backyard, we always had this, it was this kind of big giant rock face. It was probably... Um, it was probably, I agree, Julie, um, and Pamela, I agree. Um, we had this big giant rock face. It was probably like 60 feet long, 20 feet high. And it was kind of the backdrop at the, you know, the back of the property. And then from there, you know, the, the woods, you know, woods and stuff went on. So again, we're living in the ha this house like 18 years, right? When all this mm -hmm. other stuff started happening. And I always kind of noticed that the rock face at the top, one side kind of looked like a whale. Like it was a whale that looked like it was floating on top of the rock. It had these rocks kind of positioned where it's almost like, how do they stay up there? But it always looked like a whale. Yeah. And I would just, you know, be like, it's, you know, look at my soup, you know, just kind of acknowledge that. <clears throat> As this stuff all started happening, and again, my right hand to God, it was like at night, it was like there was almost like fairies or little animal uh, rock artists that were coming out and literally chiseling images of animals into the rock faces. We had, I could even post pictures on the feed and people could see them. We had dolphins, we had eagles, we, have, we had snakes, we had frogs, we had cats, we had a whole family of gorillas. It was like 
it was the craziest thing. People would come over and they'd be like, what animals did you see today? And they would look and they'd be like, oh my God, do you see the, it looks like a, that there's a snake right there. Oh my God, there's a whatever. It was this ongoing way. It was this unbelievable actually. And, and I really believe, and I know that, that, and it wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not crazy. I swear to God, I'm as sane as, as you are. Um, um, but this was happening and they weren't there before and they would just kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And um, there was a rock, a separate rock on the property. Uh, I'll post a picture of it as well, that, that all of a sudden started looking like, and it never looked like this before because it was right by where my kid's playset was. And so I was out there all the time. It started looking like the dog from Never Ending Story to me at least, you know, the big, the big dog animal. Yeah. Um, but this stuff happened. So somebody could say, well, maybe you just started noticing it because maybe you just weren't tuned in and it was always there. I can guarantee you that in 18 years, um, the carving stayed. They stayed. They just kept getting bigger. I can post pictures. because Are I you serious? Them. They stayed. It's incredible. It's like this magical vortex we started living in. Um, and and I have all chills just even saying that because it's true. When we actually did sell the house and I did move, I just, I, I never went back in the house to say goodbye. I went to the backyard to say goodbye to the rocks and all the trees. The trees, I could tell. There was a ring of trees. I always knew I was protected. Everybody would always say, you need to cut those trees. They're too close to the house. I'm like, are you kidding? Those are our protectors. They're not going, they're not falling. Like they're ringing us. Like I'm cool with those trees. I went to say goodbye to the trees and to the rocks. Um, and, and I do, I, you know, I, I still miss them, but, but the carving stayed, I, I can, I will, I can post pictures when we get off in the feed, um, of the rocks, but the animals showed up more and more and more. And I know that it was the, um, the, the, you know, the connection, the universe saying like, hey, we're all here. It's all connected. Like, pay attention. You know, there are so many gifts in every day. We just are living such a distracted doing life kind of thing that we, we we're almost, you know, we're not seeing the forest for the trees really is what's happening. But when we do and when we invite it, Ken, I mean, yeah, the magic is just off the charts in this world when we're, you know, when we're, when we're paying attention. And, you know. and, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And although we may be at, at varying levels aware of this, Sherry Gideon's dear, dear friend of mine has had two near death experiences where she died and went to the other side and, and came back and, Boy, does she know some stuff yeah. <laughs> like, right. But then, yeah. you know, again, I, and I've, I have another friend that that's had an, an NDE and, you know, what she said is that's, that's always available to us. Mm -hmm. We don't have to die to experience Absolutely. it. Right. So physically we don't have to have to die physically. So, and, and it sounds like you are tapped into that, that, stream of of consciousness like mm -hmm. awareness i yeah. love that so mm -hmm. but it's always still it's even though we know it we expect it there are things that happen that still do they surprise you once in a while still like oh wow wasn't really i mean I, I was expecting it but wow 
it's really, really, really fun. Actually, it makes life, I think, so much more enjoyable. Um, I I get messages all all the time still. Um, and, and when I ask, you know, and if you ask, you ask for a sign or you ask for guidance. Um, it's really interesting because I just can I tell you one more story of something that just happened. Like you can uh, tell me anything. Go, it's fine. Okay, because I do want to talk about publishing. I know, I know. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, Listen, I, I, let me just throw let me just throw it out real fast. Patricia owns is the CEO and founder of Sacred Stories Publishing, which mm -hmm. is a publishing company that that publishes books for people and and helps people get their messages out in book form. And we're going to talk about how awesome that company is and who like you're working with the the what what's the one guy's name? My apologies that you initially reached out. Mm -hmm. Um, the, oh, with James Redfield, we, um, we work with James Redfield. I have a, actually a really wonderful interview series with James going on. I mean, he, we didn't publish his book, but we are working with James in other ways, but we do actually have a new book coming out just this month that Dr. Bernie Siegel, um, who's a New York Times bestselling author from his first book was Love, Medicine and Miracles. Um, it, we have two books with, with Bernie coming out. So I got introduced to Bernie because he wrote the foreword for one of our books, Cast of Clarity, that we that I'd like to talk about because we have an yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Publishing opportunities we're at we're inviting people to. But after Bernie met and we started talking and we saw we had so many connections and stuff, he's like, Hey, I'd like you to would you like to publish, you know, my next book? I have this book and this book. So we have a poetry book coming out with him and his grandson. It's really, really cool. And it's wow. titled When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is. And it and it says, you know, you will tilt your head back and laugh at the sky. But that's a, what the book is based on. But what happened, and I just have to share this because this yeah. really is. This no, is do, do. Well, and we'll get back to the publishing stuff. I just want to put it out there. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but this is, there's magic in this. So here's yeah. Bernie Siegel, who's. I don't want to give away his age, but he's late 80s at least. And his grandson, Charlie, and he's, Bernie is nonstop, like just, you know, can just, he's publishing three books this year. But his wow. grandson, Charlie, is 25. And they have been writing poetry independently for years. And, um, and, they, and Bernie said, you know, when you talk to my grandson, Charlie, we're trying to put together this poetry book. And what it really turned into, and it's so phenomenal, it's a conversation between a grandfather and a grandson. And it's their conversation about life, but it's told through all their poetry. And it's this ongoing alternating dialogue. And I see it. And so there's destiny and there's emotions and there's relationships. And it goes all the way through to the last chapter is called, or a section called Hello God. And it's so super cool because Bernie shows up in his Bernie way, which is really, you know, I've lived life, I get it, like really matter of fact, and but beautiful, very poetic. And Charlie is this young, idealistic, like beautiful spiritual soul that is just, and it's so interesting. And you see the conversation across all these different topics and Wow. So that's coming out. So yes. Yeah. So Dr. Bernie Siegel is now one of our authors and we work with James Redfield, who is James Redfield, if the name is not familiar, is the author of the Celestine Prophecy and and um 
the 10th Insight, Secrets of Shambhala, and the 12th Insight. So we have a whole interview series with Jalen's and stuff. So yeah, well, a lot we're, of we're, we're trying to get him on this show, aren't we? <laughs> I, you know what? I, yeah, I, I, we can definitely let's talk yeah. afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure that went out. Yeah, I'll make sure that that but, happened. But you, you were, you were getting ready to tell another story before the uh, publishing yeah. stuff. And I did that. So, but let's go back to that story. Cause I love your stories. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So this is what happened just about a month ago. And this is another way that I think, you know, people, you know, open up. So you don't necessarily need to have the bat in the bedroom or belfry or, you know, whatever. And you don't need, you know, your rock faces turning into, it's like that. Remember the old. Uh, children's magazine, I think it was called the highlights would we yeah. find hidden pictures. That's yeah. what that rock face turned into. Um, but so recently a couple different things happened. Um, my mom broke her hip. She's 82 broke her hip and all I'm one of five kids and all the stuff that has to do with caring for my mom and organizing, you know, organizing or whatever, just created some issues with me and my siblings, especially over text messages. Right. So I was like, really kind of feeling like, well, what's, where's my part in this? What's my responsibility? Because obviously this relationship stuff is, you know, this is hard with my siblings right now, but what, how am I contributing to it? I know I'm doing something right. Um, and the other one was, a, you know, somebody that, um, somebody that is very, very close to me that I love very much. It was going through a very hard time. And so I was, working kind of like as helping her like as a proxy kind of you know clear energy and really trying basically to volunteer myself to do my work to do her work for her which you know I know I wasn't supposed to be doing but I was at my wit's end right, right. and saying you know I'm strong enough I can do it and you know did all this like energy type work and that's a whole other story well anyway I was both of those things were really on my mind and I was um I was walking with my dog to the park and I was just kind of thinking about both of them. And I was coming under this canopy of trees and I just kind of set my intention that I wanted to, um, James is incredible. He's incredible, Sherry. Um, I wanted to figure out what the heck was happening with my siblings and my role in it. And I wanted to, I offered myself again, kind of as a proxy to help this person clear some of their pain. Right. And then I sat down in one of the trees. I was just kind of hanging out. And all of a sudden, a love bug, which is this like kind of little black bug, kind of flew around to my hand. Now, this is like a few weeks ago. So it was kind of early in the season in Connecticut. And I'm just looking at this little bug. It's, you know, it's just a very, you know, doesn't do anything but crawl around. Um, look at my hand. And I was just watching it for a while. And I was like, ah. And, you know, so it always kind of enters my mind when I see animals or different things based on life. Like, oh, I wonder if this you know, animal has a message for me, but I, you know, I wasn't sure. I was just kind of watching it because I don't want to, you know, I'm not the kind of person that everything that happens, I'm looking up symbolism, right? So I was just watching it. And then all of a sudden another love bug flies directly into my hand. And I got startled because I was like, Oh my God, there's two of them. Am I like sitting like on a nest or something? Am I like, are they crawling all behind me or whatever? I jump up there's absolutely no love bugs in sight. There's just the two. There's, there wasn't any on the tree. There wasn't any around. There's no flying. It was just the two. And so I said, hmm, what's the chance that there's like, if I just type symbolism of the love bug, that there's symbolism of the love bug of all of all insects and animals. Like I didn't even know that was the real name of the bug. Right. Um, so I, I type it up and of course immediately comes up symbolism of the love bug. 
and it says there's two messages from the love bug. The first message, and again, I could post this in the feed too because I took a screenshot of it. The first message, all in capitals, says you cannot do the work for somebody else. Everyone has to do their own work. Mm. I'm like, okay. And the second message was that there was a lot of emotional things happening maybe behind the scenes that people you know, that was contributing to like, you know, kind of give space The people were dealing with a lot of emotions and, you know, to kind of step back from it. And I knew that was relating to my, my siblings. And I was like, this is nuts. There was two love bugs. The, the symbolism that comes up directly spoke to the two issues, exactly the two issues that I was thinking about and at, you know, and set intentions before I sat before the tree. And so I knew I need to yeah. step back. I couldn't act as a proxy. I knew it, but you know, sometimes I need a little bit more of a shove because I'm obstinate. Remember, we started the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm obstinate streak. Yeah. And it also made me realize, like, you know, I need to step back too, and 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 realize maybe my siblings have a lot of emotions around stuff, and even though they're triggering me, and this is all getting really messy, I need to be aware and and conscious of saying, okay you know, we're all dealing with a bunch of stuff and, and, you know, maybe just be a little more gentle in my approach. Um, But that was another, you know, and that's, you know, that happens all the time or it can happen all the time. Um, When we, when we acknowledge and invite and know, we really step into the knowing of our, our, our real truth. I'll say our real truth and our power and our connection with, with all. I mean, you know, the human race is not the only sentient race on this planet. You know, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, the animals are powerful. The obviously insects are powerful rocks and trees and water. There's energy and consciousness in everything. And when we want to, we want to open up to it you know, it's all right there. And it's really incredible. You know, I, I, I've had, I can't remember three or four different times in my life where I've been out outside and, um, and a monarch butterfly lands on my hand. And I've had that happen several different times, literally at right after I met my wife, Jill, who's on here commenting, um, at her house, a monarch butterfly lands right on my hand. And it was the, and I've always wondered if that like meant something. <laughs> so uh, interesting. So, so you, um, wow. So I only, okay. So let, let's, let me, let me find my bearings here. Cause your stories are absolutely mind blowing. The one of the, the, the rocks, like that's that's incredible that's pictures in the feed if you'd like yeah absolutely yeah um so so you have and and my buddy eric wants to know if you're single (laughs) eric who had the snake as the former one he's he's a goofball anyway so the at some point after 50 you, you that's when you didn't start the publishing company until after all of that right so what happened was <clears throat> while this was happening and these animals had been coming and all of that and i was experiencing this um 
I, and I was never a writer. Like I'm the kind of person that if I had to type more than a couple lines in an email, I was like, seriously, can we just talk? Cause this is too much writing. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I told you I was a high school teacher. It was winter break and it was the first night of winter break. And I, um, I had this experience, I guess people call it downloads. I had no idea what was happening. So let's just back up like eight years. I had no idea what was happening in my life. And I woke up, I was woken up in the middle of the night, but so I was awake, but I wasn't awake. It was one of those dreams where you are, I think I was dreaming, but I was seeing myself in the dream. And so I was aware of what was happening, but I was, you know, just watching, I was an observer. And I saw myself and what happened was I saw kind of the top of my head, like being cut, like, you know, those pots that you lift up that have the connection, the handle in the back, yeah. my head just lifted back, like one of those pots and all these numbers and codes and stuff just started pouring into my head. And as I saw these numbers and codes pouring into my head, um, I saw this whole first book that I was to write, like almost word for word. It was just kind of being, as people call downloaded and wow. I didn't happening i'm watching it going this is the coolest thing i've ever seen i don't even know what's happening but i i i and i heard god is in the little things seek and you will find you shall find for god is in the little things and i remember writing that down i'm like and i was like oh that's cool and then i heard write that down and i was like okay so i wrote it down and then i fell back asleep and i thought well that was the craziest dream i ever saw but when i thought well when i woke up i saw what i wrote and it was the beginning of winter break. And and Ken, I just literally sat in bed. When I tell you I sat in bed for the next four days and I just type, 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 type. Everything just started coming and I was typing. I couldn't do anything but type. I just kept typing and typing and typing. And I had the by the end of the winter break, I had the first draft of my my first book. And wow. I was like, oh my God. So this is what kind of propelled me to kind of leave my career here i am a single mom with two kids staring down college and i think it's a great idea that i'm going to leave my pain <laughs> yeah and i'm going to write this book and i'm gonna you know i'm thinking in, an, in a month oprah's going to call me because everybody has to know their story it's so incredible right i yeah. i literally rush it out and i go to one of the largest self-publishing consciousness self-publishing houses out there and i just you know, sheer faith, sheer whatever, and sheer a lot of crap that they were telling me, very good salespeople. I spend like $15,000, right, of money that, you know, yeah. should have been spending to publish my first book. And, you know, on the hopes and the dreams and the, you know, what, what, what I was believing the people of consciousness were saying to me, right? And, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm a pretty seasoned adult by this point. I think I'm pretty intelligent. I was taken hooked line and sinker so the book comes out and nothing they said that they were doing really was what they said it was like well yeah but you know we said it was this but it's really this like it always sounded better than it actually mm -hmm. was and i was like what the heck just happened and um and as this was happening all these other experiences were happening and i was doing all sorts of past life regressions and live between lives and astral travel like i'm telling you asking you know wow. things Plus, I'm a student. Like, I'm a student. I'm always like, I wanted, at that point in my life, I really wanted to learn. And this is my, right, my second book, which is God is in the Little Things, Messages from the Golden Angels, which talks about all these experiences. This got picked up by a small press publisher. And 
Um, that got went very, very bad very quickly as well, right? So I had two experiences with um, my first two books, one with a self-published and one with a small press publisher that were not good at all. And I was left saying, what the heck is happening? Like, I don't even understand. I am, I, like, what's in this consciousness publishing world? I, I, I don't know how I got so taken twice. Wow. So other things were happening. I mean, I was a radio show host. I, I wanted to be a student. I started invent, in, 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 inventing in interviewing people, all kinds of stuff was happening. But when the stuff happened with my books, again, now I'm, you know, two plus years out of my career going, you know, waiting for, you know, the big, the big, you know, something to happen. Um, the, the, the call from Oprah. Yeah. The call from Oprah and Oprah, right. I'm still waiting. Um, yeah. and I'm still here. Um, right. but, but what happened was when the second thing happened, I said, you know what? There are a lot of really great publishers out there. Absolutely. There's a lot of great publishers out there, consciousness publishers, but there's not enough. There are not enough. And I knew that I was a storyteller. You know, I'm a, I consider myself a sacred storyteller because I believe in the sacredness of life and the stories I talk about really speak to that. That's where the name Sacred Stories came from, Sacred Stories Media, Sacred Stories Publishing, because it's a reflection of of my journey and who I am. And I said, well, somebody can do it better. And so just like before, you know, kind of like when I went in the Marines and I said, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm going anyway. I said, we need to start a publishing company. Wow. <laughs> a book publishing company and we need to do it this way and we need to provide opportunities. Um, and actually April 21st coming up in less than two weeks is our four year anniversary. Wow. And we have a number of books out. We do a number of different kinds of publishing. And now we have actually on our anniversary, it just kind of worked out that way. It was kind of really beautiful. We have our first book from a New York Times bestselling author being published by us, which is Bernie Siegel's book. So, um, yeah, but. Wow, but that's it, incredible. But it, what's really important, I think, that I really want to share is that the. It's the really that kind of understanding i think that of of kind of who we are maybe why we might have chosen to be here at this point what we could do you know for me it's about and you know and i was talking to somebody the other day it was it's about inner work and outer action you know and i really want to share that you know that's really important to me right now is inner work and outer action we definitely need all need to do that deeper look inside you know and whoever we are and whatever that means that's awesome that's who you are and then what do we do how do we contribute how do we we don't all have to have a spiritual career we don't have to you know but we we can contribute we can participate we need to show up in it with conscious choices and conscious action you know it's not enough to just post all day on social media or write great memes or something it's not enough just to bitch and complain when you don't like something it's about let me do my deeper work and really get to my strength, my power, who I am. Let me find my connections and then let me do the outer action. Translate that into conscious thought, word and deed of how I can participate and contribute in a positive way in this world. Um, and that's what I, you know, I ask everybody to please consider that and do that because 
it does take a village. Um, and that's how I feel that that at this point in time that I am participating, Sacred Stories Publishing and, and our ability to publish books and help people, Sacred Stories Media, through our media outlets and so forth. It's our way of working and supporting and helping people bring their, you know, their wisdom, their works, their stories out to the world. Sherry Gideon says, thank you for sharing this, for sharing all of this. I've been told by my guides, it is time for me to write my two NDA, NDE stories. That's amazing. That one, but two, huh, Sherry? She's that had one. two. Yeah, she's she's been on my show. She's an amazing woman. Um, so, so you, you, um, it's how it's four years ago is when you started the publishing company. Um, you know, what's interesting. I had a, I have a friend, she's been a guest on the show, um, that she lost $37,000 to a publishing company that really ran her through the ringer. And, and, and that's terrible. And, and I know that you're nowhere even close to, to being in that ballpark to help people get their their books out. You know, we do, let me just say this, we do three. No, we're not. We are, I think we do it, the, honestly, I think we do it the best, to be quite honest. But we offer three different types of publishing. We offer traditional, um, where we take the full investment and, 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 and work with authors in a traditional way. We do hybrid, which is a different kind of hybrid than what's out there. We do hybrid where we still have to accept the manuscript. But what we see in the manuscript is a larger vision, larger work, you know, um, something that we can work with them for not only to bring the, the books to a very a beautiful professionally um, uh, publication, but we can provide um, marketing, publicity, brand building. We have an online course division called Sacred You that we have all kinds of really super cool courses out there. Somebody mentioned shaman before. We have Dr. Stephen Farmer who has a shaman course with us. We have Trisha McCannon who has all sorts of mystery courses and Mary Magdalene course and so forth. We have uh, uh, William Henry. He just did a course on the rainbow light body, like all kinds of ways. So we have outlets that we've created that help people take their work and share it in different ways. We have a podcasting stream. We offer podcasting to people. We have um, we have a large marketing publicity. We do all kinds. We get people all kinds of interviews. I mean, you know, Ken, because I reached yeah. out to you, you know, for, for James, for example. But what we do is we, we and that's our hybrid. That's where we say, like, um, you know, how can we help you not only publish your book, because we believe in it, but right. for whatever reasons, we may not be able or want to be able to make the full investment because publishing still is a business and, and the books have to, you know, we have to stay in business, right? Yeah. Um, so we have hybrid and then we have self-publishing for people who say who maybe we're not ready. We don't want to make an investment in, but we want to offer them an opportunity to be professional, have a professional self-publishing experience at the, the, the best cost in town. And they, you know what I mean? And, and so they still get all of our resources and support, but we're not making the investment and in helping them kind of build their brand, build their message and, you know, kind of, become part of sacred stories like our luminaries which is we have that on our media site too um right. and that, those are rolling out so so we do it in a number of ways because we want to try to be able to meet authors all different kinds of authors um where they are you know where it's really best for both of us you know the magic in the middle where it's 
it works for sacred stories, because again, we need to be, we are a business, we have to be successful um, so we can continue, um, but also is fair and, and does more, you know, as much as we possibly can for every author we work with. <clears throat> Absolutely incredible. Julie just said that you are a true testament that it is never too late to start something big to help as many people as we can. You're a true inspiration to all women. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you, Julie. I love that. Love that. Wow. What an unbelievable story of, you know, uh, I truly believe, and I know you believe this because you wouldn't own a publishing company if you didn't. You wouldn't own a successful publishing company. And that is, we all have a story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 52 in July and um, I may be going through menopause myself. I'm just, I'm men do, men do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I published my book. I self-published um, at 40. It was in 2017. So three years ago. And I can remember once I found out, because I didn't write a book for many, 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 many years, because I thought, who's going to publish my book? Like, I'm a nobody. Like, who's going to write? Like, I, I have a story, but who's going to publish it? And And I'm sure that you know, what is the percentage of people that actually write a book in their lifetime? Mm. You know? Yeah, I don't know, but I don't think it's a very high number. Even well, with the explosion of self-publishing, it yeah. you know, it seems like everybody's writing a book. It yeah. really in relation to this. But see, Ken, you would be an ex perfect example of a of a wonderful hybrid publishing where we would work together and we would bring, you know, not only the publishing, but we would help you um you know, develop your, and introduce you to other audiences and help you develop, you know, other ways to share your work. And we, we would partner, you know, we have right. our connections with all sorts of online magazines and sites and blogging opportunities. I'm all about connection, you know, even, you know, I mean, the story started with the connection to the natural world. I'm all about connection. I'm all about, we're stronger together. And it really is about collaboration. I'm not, competing with anybody out there. I am, I'm always open to collaborate and say, you know, how do we come together and, and exponentially grow? Because what we're doing and talking about is important, right? It's important that the kind of the, the, the consciousness continues yeah. to grow. Well, I think, you know, what, what, uh, again, it's, it's what, what, um, what Julie just said, I will be 60 shortly and have had so many people tell me to write my story keep thinking who would ever read it and i gotta say this and and this is to to promote a writing your book and b work with patricia and and that is i i i have i know i have more books in me and i'm i i have every intention i st i i've started two books already two more books right. and and you know i think that that held me back that stopped me from writing my stuff down. And, and, you know, it's like, no, it, when I, when I finished my book and I submitted it and, and was waiting on, I, I remember thinking, you know, I don't care 
if one single person reads my book ever, mm -hmm. I don't care if one copy is ever sold. I really didn't because mm -hmm. I had accomplished the goal. The goal was write a book and finish it, finish the book. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, you know, and then it hit number one on, on Amazon and all that, but still like, it was one of those things where if you, if you know, deep down inside, you have a book in you, you got to write it. You have to. It's a legacy. It's a legacy. You know, that's why I love publishing, you know, about a year ago, because Sacred Stories has so many arms. I was like, okay, I need to really figure out where my real deep joy comes from and where my main focus will be. And then what are the supporting arms? And it, it was, it's publishing hands down because books are, you know, they're, they're kind of forever to a large degree. You know, there's books that are hundreds of years old, you know, it's, it's beyond an interview. It's beyond a magazine. It's beyond whatever, you know, those are all wonderful, but books have lasting value. Yeah. I just want, if I could just do this, I just want to show this. Here, let, me, let me put you full screen. Chaos to Clarity is, um, this is a book that we just launched in, um, November. It's actually the first, it's our first multi-author book project. Now you hear about these and people like they charge all sorts of crazy money and they really don't deliver. I mean, that's just reality. Some people do, but not enough. Chaosically, I'm, a, I'm actually a co-author on it. And my co-author is Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. This is where, how I met Dr. Bernie Siegel because he wrote the forward for it. Wow. This is a multi-author book opportunity where we have another one out right now. And we are collecting through, actually we extended it to the end of May. This follow-up book to the series, this was so popular and it's Sacred Stories of Transformational Change. And um, and it's about the hero or heroine's journey. It's that 2,500 word story. That's one of your stories, not your life story, but one of your stories, your experiences. Like I could write a whole story about the, the bat, frog. the frog or the, the love bug. You know, I mean, you know, take an event, take something, but that's really meaningful. So it's the change. It's the journey through the change, and then it's the positive perspective. Well, we this was so popular, and we have like 30 authors from around the world that contributed stories wow. um, that we have already started Crappy to Happy. That's the name of our second book, Crappy oh. to Happy. It'll be Sacred Stories of Transformational Joy. And it's about finding, you know, coming from a place and again, moving through the change, moving through the process, but being happier as a result, as a result, whether expected or unexpected, you find yourself. My story of moving from the bats to here is a perfect crappy to happy story, even though it's kind of longer term, because I'm so much happier, so much more fulfilled, so much more like I feel like I'm living life instead of doing life. Um, but so crappy to happy, and I invite anybody in your audience, even this is a perfect place to even start writing your story is by becoming part of an anthology book like this, because, because one, we don't accept every story. So if we do accept your story, you are considered a published author because it's not a complete pay to play. Um, but we pack marketing and publicity into the book. You have a bio section. We do interviews with you and we introduce you and we, you know, so you will talk about your story, but you will talk about and also be introduced with your greater work. So it's a perfect opportunity if people just want to write their story, want to be part of a larger project. Um, and it's a perfect opportunity for somebody who has a larger work or vision that they want to bring attention to because 
they can be a, they can submit their story, 2,500 word story or so for Crappy to Happy, and um, and then get all the marketing and the publicity. And Crappy to Happy is coming out in October, and we're accepting stories to the end of May. Um, I want to I want to bring something up, and it's a question for you because I think people need to understand that you know I published on Amazon myself, and there was no liaison. There was no, they didn't notify me and say, Hey, your book's live. Congratulations. When it hit number one, they didn't say, Hey, good job. You're number one. None of that. Right. So, so the benefits and I want, I'm going to put a question up on this or a, a statement up on the screen that somebody just typed. And I want you to read this and, 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 and address this because I think I already know the answer, but Julie says, like, there are some things that you don't want to write as it hurts so much to relive it because so much time was spent to turn my life around to the positive. Now, my question that I would have revolving around that is, is that what you do? Do you work with the authors and say, well, Julie, you know, maybe instead of writing the story that way, you can reframe it and, or, or do you work with them going through this, like the editing process? Do you help, do you help them? We do include it in our, well, if we're just talking crappy to happy right now, um, we, we do do professional editing. We do a first pass of editing. Then the whole book is professionally edited in addition to the marketing, the publicity. Um, so we work, we work very closely with all of our authors, but they need to send us a story first. That's yeah. we read. But if I can just answer Julie just for a second, because um, absolutely, Julie. So when I was writing, because I also write as a co-author, I actually write on the spirituality of change. My co-author writes on the psychology of change, but we also have our personal stories in there. And when I started writing, uh, it was really interesting, even just pulling excerpts from my, my first books as part of my contribution to this book. Um, I was getting in a really crappy, bad mood and I was just angst and I was just upset and I couldn't figure out what was happening until I realized that pulling back all these memories from all this time ago that didn't feel good then that I'd moved so far past wasn't energetically good for me. Like I was struggling and I, and, and it, and it's not because, and I really don't think, I don't believe this. I don't, people go, Oh, if you have a reaction, you're not done with it completely. And I don't, I don't believe that. I wasn't mourning like the loss of my marriage any longer. I think just bringing that energy and bringing all those things back into my current consciousness, there was such a discordant energy. There was no match. There was no energetic match. I felt like crap, you know, and I was like, I need to be conscious of this. I need to be aware of this because I am bringing old energy that I, that I worked through and I'm bringing it to me today. And it just is like, doesn't yeah. matter. I felt like crap. However, we have so many authors that said they cried the whole time they typed their story, but it was so cathartic and it was so soul healing. In Chaos to Clarity, one of our authors, she didn't want any publicity. She didn't want anything. She just wanted to write her story. She wrote the story of when she of when her daughter died and mm-hmm. and the call she got and how she you know got through that. It was the first time she had written it. It had been 
oh, I don't know how many years, um, seven or eight years since the daughter died. She'd never written the story. She didn't really talk about it. The pain was too deep. But she knew that she wanted to tell the story. And this was the first time that she did. And when we received the story, I called my co-author and I said, this is why this book has to be published. This is why we're publishing this book. Because this story, her name is Jane, Jane's story has to be told. It has to be heard, you know, um, and and she is in the book and and she has talked about it. She did go on an interview with my co-author and she talked about there's a really a, a there's a healing process also that when you come to the point that you can share your story. So not every story maybe we're ready to tell, you know, not every story maybe it's time. But I think when we are, when we are, um, it's extremely self-healing. You know, many people will say, you don't write your story for others, you write it for yourself. Yep. And, and I think that this is a perfect example, this type of book and our next one, Crappy to Happy, it's the perfect example of, of you tell the story, you know, especially if they're that deep for, your, for yourself. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I, I gotta, I gotta, um, uh, second that like writing, <clears throat> writing my book. Um, mine's only 74 pages, so it's, it's more like a pamphlet. Um, but, but it, you know, writing my book was possibly the most healing thing that I've ever done. Ever. It is, it, it's absolutely a freeing it's, 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 and, and, and Patricia, I know you can relate to this. When I received the proof copy, <clears throat> the first real copy of my book, right? I received that and I opened it up and I started to read my words on those pages after having read thousands of other books, I was like, Oh my God, I'm reading my book. This is my book in my hands. And I literally started crying, not, not sobbing, but I teared up and, 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 and it really, it, it's such an unbelievable experience. So what you're doing, I actually thought about doing what you're doing and I'm just like, no, it's, it's too much. I can't handle it. <laughs> so what you do, you do what I do. And, you know, in the middle we meet, which yeah. is the beauty of it. So I encourage everybody watching this to go to sacredstoriesmedia.com and connect with Patricia. Where's the best place to connect with you, by the way? Well, media is the is one of our sites, sacredstoriespublishing.com. If they're just directly interested in publishing as a separate site, you can get to it from media as well. Um, yeah. We're also, you know, on social media and on either of our websites, there's contact information. So I absolutely, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from people. And, and if they're interested in Crappy to Happy and checking out the book project, um, it's, it's on the Sacred Stories Publishing site under book project, you know, just to make it really clear, it's under book project. But um, but that's a phenomenal opportunity. And it's a really great way to kind of, whether you're a published author or not, it's a way to kind of become part of a larger project, you know? I mean, there's so many people that authors that were in our, you know, it's really cool, Ken, honestly, there's so many authors from our first book 
that as soon as we said we were doing a second book, they're like, we're in, we're submitting a story. And we're like, really? Because they just received so much from the, from the first experience that they were the first ones in. And so, um, Colleen, if you go to sacredstoriespublishing.com and click on book project, there's all the information and submissions and everything. I'd love for you to submit a story. That would be amazing. Um, but the authors came in. They're like, we're in again because, and and the cost is is nominal. The cost is actually $8.99, That's so cheap. I'm and, sorry. That's no, ridiculous. That, it is ridiculous because, <laughs> and not only does that include editing, publishing, um, all That's the marketing and the publicity, and you really become part of the Sacred Stories community then as well. Um, and I can't even tell you how many opportunities my co-author and I, she's always hooking somebody up with something. She's like, I just met this perfect person. I'm contacting so-and-so and connecting them because they work with us. So we're like, what else can we do? Wow. But see, I can do it that way because I'm the publisher. It's not just like, oh, this is a great business idea. Let's do a book project. And then they have all these other costs. I'm the publisher. So I can do things at a cost and in a way that other people can't. And uh, 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 you know, I Listen, I, I'm 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 not gonna say I'm sorry to interrupt because I did it on purpose. So, <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when people go sorry to interrupt. No, you're not. You did that on purpose, you freak. So so look, for eight hundred ninety nine dollars, you're handling everything. Oh, everything, and doing the editing and professional everything, everything, mm -hmm. and giving you marketing, publicity, interviews, all of that. Yeah. Look and at that. Redfield, I'll just tell you, James Redfield, who wrote the Celestine Prophecy, is writing the foreword for Crappy to Happy. So James is right there with us, and he's going to be promoting the book and sharing the book. And, and you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, no. Uh, James Redfield is, um, he's awesome. He is, honestly, I've interviewed, because I did a, I've interviewed hundreds of people as well. And, yeah. um, um, James, I have to say, is the one, hands down, one of the most genuine people in the world of consciousness that ever I have ever spoken to. He is, he is just doing the work be, just to be of service. That's how Bernie Siegel is. Bernie Siegel, I think he's 87. Don't tell him, don't tell you, tell him I told you his age. But I think I'm Bernie's calling him right now. <laughs> Bernie always says is, how can I help? How can I help? You know, and that's the kind of people that, and then what we put in here also, I'll just show you, like we have an additional reading page. So if you're an author, we, we tell people what your other books are. Oh, um, wow. And it, it also, here's the other thing that people. I'm going to interrupt you now, Ken. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. We do a whole bio page. You like your bios are here. Like, wow. Like they're all here. So we will do everything we can as much or as little, you know, to, if you don't want any interviews, that's super cool as well. See Sherry, if you're part of crappy to happy, I'll introduce you to James. All right. How about wow. that? that wow. James. Okay. Wow. Um, the, um, no, the, no, no, no. Violet. Eight hundred and ninety nine, Violet. Sorry, eight hundred and ninety nine. Eight hundred and ninety nine. Yes. But that includes publishing, editing, marketing, yeah. publicity, interviews. Will get you. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. It's, 
It's off the charts. I mean, but still, and, and, and Violetta needs to understand that even, and maybe she forgot to add a nine in there, but um, $8.99 to, for what you're doing. Like that, I, I'm not turning this into a sales pitch. That's, that's stupidly cheap. I mean, it's, it really is. So, and I invested as a self-published author, I invested way more than that, way more mm -hmm. than that. So- these types of projects, people are typically asking three to five thousand dollars, which, yep. um, which is kind of crazy to be quite honest. We, when Kat, who's my co-author, and I started talking, multi-author books, I have to tell you, are freaking a lot of work. There yeah. is so much work in these books from a publishing perspective. Just yeah. the coordination of all the different authors and all their information. Believe me, I had no idea what I was getting into, but. Once we were in it and, and we got Jane's Jane's story, who I told you about, I'm like, well, we're doing it because we're doing yeah. it for Jane, really. And then, I mean, it just, I mean, obviously all the stories are phenomenal. Um, and then people started asking and Kat's like, happy to happy. And I'm like, I love that title. Okay, we'll do book two, you know? So it is a phenomenal price, but but we're not doing it because we're like, it's not a business. Um, it's not a business opportunity for me as a publisher it is an opportunity for me to help people tell so many more stories and maybe they don't have a full book in them but they wow. have a story that needs to be told so it's a way to bring people together it's a way to build community it's a way to help share inspirational stories with the world i mean it's yeah. it and it's all they all have a positive even if they don't have a positive actually outcome they have a positive perspective I'll give you an example. One of our media partners is Deborah Bouvet, who's the owner of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, right? And Deborah is in the book. Deborah's story is when her husband went to work one day and was killed in a car accident. And she was left as a widow with two young daughters. And wow. she went through two years where she was almost considered, she was considering suicide. She was so, 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 so didn't know how she was going to go on. Her radio network, Dream Vision 7, which which has all consciousness shows on it, all shows about positive messaging and stuff, was created as her response to start giving back, as her response to look outside herself and say, how can I help others? And wow. now she's runs a radio network. So that's what chaos to clarity, that's what crappy to happy, that's what sacred stories, that's that's what we're about. I mean. I started with the bat stories because you know you asked, yeah. but that's what brought me to this place where we talk about again, do your inner work, but then what is your outer action? How can we show up? How can we contribute? How can and Sacred Stories is a business. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a you know financially independent yet, but but it has to be a business and it has to be a successful business so we can continue to do the work we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we can do projects like Crappy to Happy at a cost that is, that is, as you said, crazy. Yeah. But it's not because it's like how much, how much money can we get from every person who wants to work with us? It's about how can we continue yeah. to be successful and continue to grow while being conscious in all of our actions while we're doing it. And I think, um, and my gosh, I just looked at the time. I had no, I like we're no, I normally keep this at an hour. We're an I hour know. and a half. I had no idea. Like I really didn't know. I I'm so just in enthralled in this. So look, 
I, I think also for those of you that are like, I don't know if I have enough in me to do a whole book or I'd like to dip my toe in the water of publishing. What an unbelievable opportunity. And to say that I'm in a book that James wrote the, wrote the, he's writing the foreword you said. Yeah. That's insane. That's unbelievable. Yeah. We also now, have a story. I'll tell you if anybody's connected with unity, the unity organization, unity church, which is massive and it's very interfaith. Um, Reverend uh, Dr. Temple Hayes, which is huge in there. She's contributed her story. She, she's a contributing author to this book. We have some phenomenal people. I know Pam and Sherry are both, um, in fact, Sherry is, um, what's, what's, uh, his name? The guy that was in the secret, um, Reverend, um, come on, Sherry, throw his name up, up real quick. Um, he's, oh gosh, the guy with the long dreadlocks, he's in the movie, the secret. Um, anyway, she's friends with him. She knows him. Um, but it, 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 from the, I think he's with the unity church, I believe. But anyway, so look, Patricia, thank you. Thank you. I, I really, really, really have enjoyed having you on as a guest. This has been absolutely amazing. So um, Beckwith. Yes, Beckwith. Yes. You know, uh, isn't it Bernard Beckwith? Michael Bernard Beckwith. Michael, Michael, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So you know him, right? I don't know Michael personally, but oh, religious science. Mm -hmm. I got it. I'm getting my, my churches mixed up, I think. So anyway, so thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on, sharing everything you did. It has been absolutely amazing. Um, I think you're going to get some stories submitted too. <laughs> so. No, I mean, I, I honestly, I said, you have a phenomenal audience. I just love all their comments and I love their engagement and, and I just want to say thank you to you and and thank you to everyone that's you know that's joined us. This has been this has been awesome. I knew it was gonna be awesome. I, I knew this morning I was super excited to to come on. So thank you, Ken. I think you're gonna get um I don't know how to say is it Brigitte Brigitte? I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um she's in Germany. And it looks like you may have somebody there too. So listen, thank you so much. Happy Good Friday to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and and what this is a very spiritual day. So so thank you so much. I appreciate you. And you. Don't, don't hang up on me. I will see everybody later. And thank you so much for being on and sharing this out as well. Thank you.